Welcome to the Catalyst Church Podcast. We're here up in Humboldt County, California. We're glad you're with us. We hope that you're blessed and that you find peace and grace in the Word of God today. One that is supposed to be read in its entirety. And it also is, um, it talks about a time period in the actual year cycle of the Jewish year. So what we have is what's called the month of Aviv, and that's the beginning of the barley harvest. So that's where we find ourselves right now. Barley is a grain that is planted in the winter and autumn periods, and it then grows or you know stays dormant throughout the, the winter months, and then it sprouts and ripens in spring. So traditionally, this book of the Bible would have been read in April or May, depending on the barley harvest. So this morning, um, to kind of get ready to do this, I actually went and tried to make a barley loaf out of barley flour. Didn't work, I had the oven on too hot and it burned up real good. But um, it is something that you would do to um, celebrate the first fruits is you would give back that first of your barley harvest. So that's where we find ourselves in this time period in Ruth. So we're gonna go first to chapter one and we're gonna work ourselves through the entire book. And I will definitely do this in the next 15 minutes. So we're gonna get ourselves cracking. Um, So we're gonna start with the return. So this is chapter one. We find ourselves in um, the story of Naomi. She had been married to a man named Elimelech and they had left Bethlehem and traveled to the land of Moab because there was a famine in in that time period and her husband believed it would be better for them to go to Moab. While she was there, her two sons also um, married Moab women and one of them was named Orpah, the other one was named Ruth or Ruth in the Jewish uh, pronunciation. So while they're down in Moab, Elimelech, Naomi's husband dies 10 years later, both of her sons die. We don't really know why. I'm sure Bethany might know why or who knows. Um, But basically she's left with her daughters-in-law, Orpah and Ruth. And Naomi's hearing about some interesting news back in Bethlehem that in fact, there has been a blessing from God and the land is producing a really good barley harvest. So she says to herself and her daughters-in-law, time to go back to the land that I came from. And she prepares to leave. But that's where we come upon this verse. So she prepared to return with her daughters-in-law from the plain of Moab. Oh, by the way, this is um, from the complete Jewish Bible uh, translation. So if it's a little different from your NIV, that's why. Um, For in the plain of Moab, she had heard how Adonai had paid attention to his people by giving them food. She left the place where she was at with her two daughters-in-law and took the road leading back to Judah. So she's basically going to go back to Bethlehem. And as she's preparing to return, in her mind, she thinks about how can I take care of these daughters-in-law who've been so faithful and so good to me. And she knows that she's returning as a widow and to return with two daughters-in-law who are also widows puts them all at an extreme economic disadvantage They're lowest on the totem pole. They're at the um, grace and mercy of those that they come upon. They're landless. 
they don't have economic supports and they're basically at the mercy of whoever they come upon and both of her uh, daughters-in-law are foreigners so she i believe in her desire to provide for them this is something we actually talked about in our bible study on thursday and christina brought it up but in her desire to be a protector and to care for her daughters-in-law naomi encourages both of them to return to the land of their their people their gods and to not go back with her i mean at that time I'm assuming the immigration policies were not even as nice as ours are today, which we know are horrible. So, you know, we're talking about women who are not even able to hold land. They're not able to necessarily provide for themselves. And so Naomi's doing what she can think of as the best possible solution for her daughters-in-law. Ultimately, Orpa decides, yes, you're right. I need to go back. And so she goes back and that's the smart thing to do. You know, no reason to look down on her. She's making a good decision. But Ruth clings to her uh, mother-in-law, Naomi, and she makes a covenant with her. And that's the covenant we see in verse 16 here. It says, but Ruth said, don't press me to leave you and stop following you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May Adonai bring terrible curses on me and worse ones as well, if anything but death separates you and me. And so I think some of you may have heard this uh, before um, in maybe some marriage ceremonies that you've been a part of where husbands and wives sort of recite this language to each other. And I find that it's really interesting actually that this is the covenant that Ruth makes with Naomi, essentially binding herself until death to Naomi. So we have a daughter-in-law that really has nothing going for her saying, I'm gonna be with you the rest of your life and the rest of my life. And if in fact, anything but death separates us, I'm basically saying my life is cursed. So I found that to be really interesting that she binds herself in that way. And um, at the end of this chapter, Naomi ends by talking about her extreme bitterness and loss as they head back from Moab and they enter into Bethlehem. So here we are in chapter two. Chapter two is about when Ruth goes out into the town. The townspeople are all talking about her and they're talking about Naomi and they're very much interested in their story. You know, here's this woman who left to find a better place to um, reside. And suddenly she's back with a foreign daughter-in-law. So I'm sure you could just imagine the talk of the town that was happening. You know, it's like going to Trinidad as a tourist or something. You're going down the street and everyone's like, they're not from here. We don't, you know, this is our space and this is our local land and you can't have anything that's ours. You know, that's kind of the general small town way of being, I think when you have somebody new coming into your town. You're not about to open your doors and generally share what you have. You're thinking, where is this person gonna fit in our society? How are they going to live among us? So that's the question. And that's a huge weight of societal burden that Ruth is carrying upon herself. You know, what kind of person will she be? How will she act in this land? That's of crucial importance to her and Naomi, because if she acts 
in any way out of line with the traditions and um, the expectations, she could cast a huge smear on herself and Naomi. Um, but she actually acts in a totally different way with extreme obedience to everything that Naomi tells her to do. So what's the first thing that Naomi tells her to do? She tells her, go out into the fields and follow behind the gatherers, you know, the people who are gathering up sheaves of, of barley and just follow behind them and gather kind of the leftovers. And that's allowed in, um, in with the people of Israel. That's part of what God has commanded is that you know, when you're gathering, you don't gather every single piece of harvest. You gather from the sheaves and some things fall down and you don't pick that all up. You leave some of that behind so that, you know, homeless, those in poverty, those of economic disadvantage can follow behind you and can actually pick that up. So that's like the gleanings, the leftovers. And that's basically what Naomi's do or Ruth is doing when she's following along in the field. Sorry, I had to cough a sec. So she is going along behind um, those people when Boaz, so he's the owner of the field that she's in, and he's actually a relative of Naomi's, and he's pretty rich, he's very well-known, and he's well-respected, but he's an older man. But he sees Ruth, and he sees how she's acting, and he basically gives her favor. And this is where you see chapter two is like the beginning of a blessing. And this is the blessings that Boaz um, puts upon her. So he talks, he says to uh, Ruth, I've heard the whole story, including everything you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband died, including how you left your father and mother and the land you were born in and came to a people about whom you knew nothing beforehand. May Adonai reward you for what you've done. May you be rewarded in full by Adonai, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come for refuge. So this is the beginning of Boaz acknowledging that Ruth has made a very important choice to leave what she knew and bind herself to something almost foreign to her, although she did marry into Jewish laws and traditions by marrying uh, a Jewish man, but they were in a foreign land. And now she's coming back into the land of, um, of his family and she's begun to bind herself to that and she's being blessed because of it. So what happens is she continues to gather. She eats really well during the day with the servants. Boaz feeds her really well. <coughs> he lets her dip her bread into the oil and you know, she's really happy. And then um, as she's preparing to leave, he gives her a bushel of barley. So I was wondering, what is this, you know, bushel? How much is a bushel? And according to um, the internet, a bushel is um, approximately 48 pounds of barley. So I'm assuming this would be the seeds of barley. So it's not crushed up into flour yet. But basically, when you, um, you know, calculate that, it takes about three and a half cups to make a barley loaf, according to the recipe I was following. So you're talking about 40 something loaves of bread. Basically, once she's done crushing it up, threshing it out, 
he gave her a lot of food. And I'm just thinking in kind of more indigenous tradition, like if you're given that much food, you're gonna be selling it, you're gonna be giving it out to relatives. So he actually gave her almost like an economic supply and a way to take care of herself before, you know, anything else happens in their relationship. So I just wanted to point that out, you know, Boaz is equalizing the economic situation for them. And I felt that was really, really huge. And so Naomi sees what's happening and she says to Ruth, where did you glean today? Like, whoa, you got a lot there, girl. And where were you working? Blessed be the one who took such good care of you. She told her mother-in-law with whom she had been working, and she said, the name of the man with whom I was working today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by Adonai, who has never stopped showing grace, neither to the living nor to the dead. And Naomi also told her, the man is closely related to us. He's one of our redeeming kinsmen. So this is when the story just starts to shift away from the bitterness that Naomi left and came back into town with, away from the rumors and how are they going to act into, this is a different situation. You know, they're starting to become more economically stable and who knows what's coming next. So next we see um, an interesting chapter. (laughs) You know, I always actually uh, find this chapter to be really um, challenging because What's happened now is that, um, you know, Naomi and Ruth are doing pretty well for themselves, but Naomi is starting to think about how can I protect this daughter-in-law of mine? You know, how can I provide for her in a greater way than she's ever, um, than she would have if she were to stay single? So Naomi kind of comes up with this interesting plan to um, basically get Ruth in a situation that's a little bit, you know, interesting. It could potentially be harmful for her, but Naomi does it because she knows this is the risk she must take as a woman in this culture in order to secure a better future for her daughter-in-law. So she instructs uh, Ruth to bathe, anoint herself, put on her good clothes and go down to the threshing floor, which is where they're, you know, taking the barley and the wheat and they're tossing it up in the air, you know, separating the chaff from the weed and doing all that fun stuff. But don't reveal yourself or your presence to the man until he's finished eating and drinking. So she's talking about Boaz here. Then when he lies down, take note of where he's lying. Later, go in, uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. She responded, I will do everything that you tell me. So she does this. She's just extreme obedience. That's Ruth. Loyal through and through. I'll just do what you tell me to do, Naomi. Like at this point, I don't think there's any hint in the story that Ruth is like in love with Boaz or interested. She's just loyal to Naomi to the core. And she will do whatever Naomi tells her to do. And that's basically what this is all about. She goes all the way. She does every single thing. Every instruction that Naomi gives her to do, she does. And so she finds herself at the threshing floor. Um, Boaz is, you know, eating and drinking. He's pretty happy. He's festive. He goes down and he lays down on the pile of barley. She comes and lays down on top of him. And then he wakes up in the middle of the night. Or she lays on his feet, not on top of him. Um, And he asked her, who are you? And she answered, 
I am your handmaid, Ruth. Spread your robe over your handmaid because you are redeeming kinsmen. So what she's doing right now is asking him to do something he is not actually legally obligated to do, but what it but it will ultimately affect justice in her life, which is in that time period, if a man married and he died, there was a law and it's called the Leverite, I don't know if I'm saying that right, Leverite marriage, basically um, the brother of the man who died could enter into marriage with the widow to essentially redeem or restore the death of his brother by um, you know, marrying this uh, widow and ensuring that she has children or sons to carry on the brother's name. So that's kind of what she's asking. Naomi, or excuse me, Ruth is saying, will you do this for me? Even though Boaz is a relative of Elimelech, which is her um, basically father-in-law. So she's stretching you know, the rules around this Leverite marriage. Like Boaz doesn't have to do this. He knows he's an older man. He knows that um, he's well-respected and reputation are, you know, very important at that time. So he doesn't have to extend anything to Ruth. I mean, he might like her, he might think she's cute or whatever, but he doesn't have to do this. But yet he feels extremely blessed by this and he does, he basically responds that he'll take care of it, but he knows that he has to then take the next step, which is um, this kind of contractual ritual that he needs to then go to the town gate and talk to a man who's actually in front of him to complete this ritual. So there's another relative who's closer in line and more aligned to be the person who uh, redeems both Naomi and Ruth, but also this parcel of land that Elimelech owned. So up until this point in time, we've never even heard about this parcel of land. And I assume that it's probably because, you know, when the husband dies, the land goes back to the clan and it's not really the land of anybody's at this point. You know, Naomi's living who knows where, Ruth is living with her, there's this land. But tied to this land is Naomi the widow and her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the foreigner. So Boaz goes and he decides to sit at the gate and he is sitting there with the elders of the land. And they say this um, redeemer who's closer in line comes through the gate or comes past that area. And they call him such and so, like this, this guy, you know, some random relative. And he, he basically tells the the man who can redeem, Boaz talks to him and says, look, you can buy this land. And this redeemer's like, wow, a piece of land. This is amazing. I'm going to get some land. And then he's like, well, actually, there's also connected to the land, this woman, Ruth, or this woman, Naomi, whose husband died, and her daughter-in-law, a foreigner named Ruth, who's also a widower. So you're going to have to do right by them. And you're going to have to take them both when you take this land which also means that you have to provide for a son um, for this family. And this, this relative is like, oh, I can't do that. That'll endanger my current inheritance. Like who knows, maybe he's already married. He already has his own kids. Like who knows what's going on with this guy? We don't really know.
but he basically says, no, I'm not going to do that. So instead, Boaz becomes the kinsman redeemer, and they agree at the gate that he will be the one to redeem Naomi and Ruth. And they exchange sandals. That's like how they make a contract or an agreement back in the day. And Boaz becomes the one who steps into the shoes um, of the redeemer. And I, this is a really interesting part of the story. And I think this is where we're ultimately getting to, which is the idea of God crafting into his family, those who didn't originally belong to the family. So all throughout this whole story, we're hearing about this loyalty of Ruth, this, um, you know, she's tied to Naomi almost in marriage. Like she will do anything that Naomi asks her to do. And in doing so, Ruth becomes the one who belongs. Ruth is the one who is actually the carrier of the next generation. So what happens is um, Boaz redeems the land. He marries Ruth. They get together. They conceive, have a child, and a son is born. But this son, it's interesting in the Bible, becomes almost Naomi's son. The, the child is like handed over to, to Naomi and Naomi says, holds him. And the women gather around Naomi and say, blessed be Adonai who has today provided you a redeemer. May his name be renowned in Israel. May he restore your life and provide for your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, laid it on her breast and became its nurse. So it's like somehow she was able to lactate and like take this baby and it's all hers now. And the women who were her neighbors gave it a name and they said, a son has been born to Naomi and called it Obed. He was the father of Yishai, the father of David. So what we see happening now in the history of what's happening in the Bible is a whole new era is born. We came out of the era of the judges where there was um, basically different leaders that would rise up out of the people and they'd be named the judge, but then the people of Israel would go back to their old ways and everything would go back in the circle of good times and bad times, good times and bad times. But with Ruth, we see a whole new beginning of this era called the era of the kings. And Ruth becomes the mother of this, the chain of the kings, which eventually leads to David, which eventually leads, leads to Jesus. And so out of this era, we see the foreshadowing of the king of kings. And what we also see is the redeemer um, foreshadowing of what Jesus is doing, essentially through a woman in the Bible who was an outcast. You know, she was a woman who did not belong. And she did, you know, that was not the God that she was born to. But somehow she came to know um, that God through her relationship with Naomi, her relationship with another woman when they're in an extremely disadvantaged state. And, um, you know, I just find this to be a really interesting, you know, part of the Bible where, you know, you read this during the harvest time. So it's the time of rebirth. It's the time of spring. It's the time that we're entering into now, you know, when we start to have more access to vaccines, we can start to go out in the world a little more and we're starting to experience a little bit of rebirth. So before I close, I want to read just a, provision, a little piece out of this book. Um, it's called The Story of Ruth. 
and it's by Joan Chinister. She's this really great nun that Archie loves, and he kind of hooked me on this, and he gave me this book. So um, I just want to read this about the Redeemer. Indeed, Naomi knows very clearly the problems Ruth faces in her search for security. Ruth is a Moabite, a foreigner, an outcast, a widow. Boaz is one of the best placed men in town, older, wealthy, and honorable Jew. The social complications are obvious. There is racial problems here. There is age questions here. There is religious questions here. There is nothing whatsoever in terms of established social wants to commend such a marriage. To send Ruth to Boaz is to flaunt all the conventions of Israel, except one, justice. Boaz has a responsibility here, a slim one, some would say, but a real one, nonetheless. He is technically not required to marry Ruth. But as a Goel, as a close male relative, and therefore as a designated redeemer of the family, he is required to look after the land of the entire clan. He has a moral responsibility to the family at large. And then a little further down, it says, Naomi, whose name for God is Shaddai, the God with breasts, is taking the kind of nurturing godlike risk that crosses racial barriers, religious stereotypes, and boundaries of male privilege. She is intent on requiring the system to contend with its obligations, and Ruth is ready for the contest. So I want to challenge you all um, as you go out, as you take this um, book of the Bible, to remember the example of Ruth, to remember the example of Naomi, and to know that you belong. Amen.